You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Good morning and welcome to Coffee and Clergy. I'm Pastor Doug Chinberg. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. Very glad to have you with us today, whether you're joining us live in person or if you're uh, watching a little bit later, we're excited to continue in our series on Genesis Part 2 as we look at the life of Abram slash Abraham and how God's faithfulness and His covenant promise is with him and how that promise and the faithfulness that God has for Abraham is extended to all people. And so uh, if you weren't able to be with us last week, you can always find uh, that episode and all other episodes of the other series that we do by going to our Facebook or YouTube pages. Um, and you can also find uh, our show or any episodes you're looking for on our on, on podcast, uh, wherever you find podcasts. Just look for the Coffee and Clergy podcast and you can find those there. Um, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to hop in, but before we do, let's, uh, open with a prayer as we have a lot of material to get to today. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for your calling, uh, for all your people to join you in growing in discipleship of hearing your word of, uh, inwardly digesting what you have to teach us by your word today, as we look at the faithfulness and sometimes the unfaithfulness of Abram and his family, I pray, God, that you would help us to see ourselves reflected in that, that we might also see your love uh, that you had for him and your mercy uh, reflected also into our lives as well. We pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start with uh, Genesis chapter 15, but uh, uh, here there's a a lot of different stories that we're going to look at uh, in connection between Abram, Abraham, and God. Uh, We'll also look at Sarah and some other things that are going on historically. And there's some very interesting things that we see about uh, Abraham and his relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are times where he he listens to God. There are times where he seems to argue with God. Uh, There are times when he he doubts God and tries to take things in his own hands. There's even a time where he laughs at God's, God's promise. Yeah. And um, I think we'll see ourselves in, uh, in the same activities that uh, Abraham goes through and struggles with. Um, but he has a very unique relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he understands God's promises uh, that he'll be a father of a great nation, but then he can turn quickly into thinking that, again, he has to take matters into his own hands. Uh, he listened to God's pronouncement of judgment uh, against the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and then on the next hand, it seems like he tries to talk God out of the judgment that God has pronounced. And um, so he can be all over the place. And, um, and then at the same time, uh, we also see how he talks with God. Yeah. Um, and he talks with God uh, as a friend. And he at, the, at one, and one moment is so close to God and we might ask the question, sometimes we may not feel as close to God as we see that Abraham is. Yeah, certainly not as biblical characters are close to God, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but yet we acknowledge we have a closeness that Abraham never had to God, That's right. right? We have like God living and active within us through our baptisms. And not to say God through faith wasn't active and living in Abraham, but um, we've had an approx- a proximity to God, I would say, even closer than even Abraham had. Yeah. And yet there are people that today say, I feel so distant from God, even though he's given us, yeah. um, uh, uh, he's given us his word, he's given us his son, he's given us his spirit. He invites us to, to talk to him in prayer. I think, I think his presence has become so familiar to us that we sometimes look right past it and don't even see it. I agree. I wonder where God is when he's been so close to us the whole time. Yeah. And, and, and yet God assures us again and again of, of what he's done, what he did in the life of Abraham and what he does in our life. Um, and uh, so 
why are we so tentative sometimes? That's uh, just a question to think about. And, um, and maybe we even think, why can't I trust God like Abraham did? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think uh, we all wonder that at times in our life is if, if these men in these stories we're reading are so confident in God, why, why do I struggle with that? And really that's, that's that, that doubt, that spiritual warfare within you that's constantly warring. Yeah, and yet as we look at Abraham, we also see that there were times where he doubted mm. and uh, had trouble with, with his faith as well. So let's, let's go ahead and look at um, kind of the big picture. Uh, what we want to start with is, is just the fact that there were uh, many times in Abraham's life where he struggled with sin. And we see that that root of sinfulness um, even uh, is present in the life of this great hero of the faith. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to look at just uh, uh, probably three examples of places where Abraham struggled. Uh, the first one is in uh, Genesis 15, verse 2. Sure. I'll read that one. So okay. this is in the, in the context of God uh, kind of establishing his covenant with Abram. And God says in the preceding verse, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am, your I am your shield, and I am your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Okay, so here we have a time of doubt. Um, we're going to look at another uh, passage from chapter 16, Genesis 16, verses 3 and 4. Um, and here it says, so after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took the Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. And he slept with Hagar and she conceived. Uh, and when she knew that she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So um, again, here's a, a moment of doubt with, uh, within the life of Sarah. Yep. Sarai. <laughs> well, yeah, not just doubt, but we see some, you know, some uh, sexual immorality and marital unfaithfulness coming up from doubting God, right? Yeah. And, and we still are living in the residual effects of that today. When you look at some of the major um, conflicting interests, we'll just put it that way, in our world right now, a lot of it has to do, find its source in this decision to, um, to give Hagar over to Abraham and and have a child that, through her yeah, yeah. and all that happens with Ishmael and all that and the Ishmaelites and then the descendants of the Ishmaelites and the the Israelites and and the wars and the they were in constant conflict struggles. Mm -hmm. yeah. so there's there's one more passage that we'll look at um, from Genesis 17 verse 17 yep do you want to read that one I can uh, Abraham fell face down and he laughed this is after God told him that he will bless them with uh, children in a nation. He, f he fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the, time, at the age of 90? And so, um, so here we see all kinds of sinfulness and weakness that, that Abraham and Sarai struggle with. And um, um, so is there anything that stands out to you? As we look at this, I think just this is the natural rigors of the testing of time. I think Abraham always in the back of his mind was like, God's got me. But there are these little twinges of like, does God really got me? You know, like I'm an old guy and I don't have a kid. And he's telling me I'm going to have all these nations come. Yeah. From this, like. So he was he was 75 when he when God brought him to Canaan. Yep. And so now he's, uh, he's between, between the ages of 90 and 100 on the door. in these passages. And so, so at least 15 to, to 25 years has gone by mm -hmm. and since God has given him the promise. Yeah. And he's kind of thinking, you know, I'm, God, I'm getting a little bit older here. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can have children. I don't know if my wife can have children. Yeah. Um, uh, I, where's your promise? Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes we want God's promise to come maybe a little more quickly than God has planned. Yep. Yeah, like uh, we try and help God along yeah. sometimes in life. And I think that's true of, uh, of ourselves as well. We do that definitely where we say um, we, we trust God, but we also want to do. Right? That's sort of the old uh, premise of uh, God helps those who help themselves, right? That... Uh, you think, well, is that really true? It's not in the Bible anywhere. And, 
indeed in this situation actually it causes more harm yeah that he tries to help himself out a little bit yeah. and make things go and it causes more problems and there's a there's a maybe a distinction to be made between being faithful um, but sometimes in our faithfulness God just asks us to wait yeah and that's probably one of the hardest things to do yeah I think I've shared this example before I um, one of the tricks I used to teach our dog was to wait and I would have a treat if if he would wait as long as I asked him to and I, I used to um, I would first I would wait 15 seconds, then I'd wait 30 seconds, and then Oof. 45 seconds, and saliva would be dripping down his his cheeks because he knew he would get a treat, but he was he was trying to be obedient. And, and, yeah, <laughs> and it was it was hard for him to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are times where God asks us also to wait, mm -hmm. and that's the response of faith that He wants, and that can be very difficult. And uh, so we see that with Abraham. We also see it with Sarai yep. as she comes to the point where she can wait no more. And maybe she thinks that, that uh, God is going to do his work through her servant. Yeah. Um, and so, as you mentioned, she gave her, her servant Hagar to, uh, to Abraham as a wife. Mm -hmm. And um, then had, he had a child with her. And that actually made things worse for Sarai, right? Yep, it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, whenever she finally does, whenever God just finally does fulfill the promise, there's all kinds of problems now. And yeah. Hagar and Sarah are constantly at each other's, you know, necks bickering, and and their offspring are constantly fighting into the future, all the way, like I said, till today. So, um, yeah, it's not a not a good situation to find themselves in. Yeah. So, uh, so a question is: Are there any differences uh, with people today than in the day of Abram? Well, I mean, certainly, but in this regard, not so much. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we have technology now, right, and science and things, but we still have the same heart. Yeah, same sinful heart. And, yeah. and, uh, and so people today have doubts. People today question God. Um, uh, people today try and work through, um, if they believe that God is leading them in a certain direction, they try and work through it if they don't see God acting fast enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's probably times where people even laugh in God's face. Yeah. Um, I, I want to see you bring this about, God. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it kind of makes me wonder, too, what kind of laugh it is. Is it like a laugh of hilarity, like, that's a funny joke? Or is it a laugh of, like, desperation, like, you got to be kidding me, right? Yeah. It's like uh, I can kind of see the latter more than the former of, like, these laughs are laughs of, like, not not of, like, finding something funny, but of, like, like the kind of laugh a crazy person has when they pull their hair out, like, ah, I can't stand this anymore. The only thing I can do is just laugh at this. You know, it's so yeah. obnoxious. Or even a laugh at somebody's belief because of somebody else's unbelief. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they, like they, a mocking kind yeah. of laugh. Yeah, that could be true as well. And um, so we see and hear those kind of laughs in our world today. And uh, so do, does God excuse these uh, different forms of uh, unbelief or lack of faith? Well, he never excuses any sin, right? He pays for it. <laughs> okay, all right. So he doesn't and, excuse it, but no. he does ask us to, yep. uh, for believers, he asks us to confess it. Yep, confess it. And so that that, that sin of of unbelief or that sin of the mocking, or that sin of whatever is put onto him. So he never excuses it, but he does address it. I think you put it that way. Probably. Yeah. And, and then forgives it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the assurance he wants us to have, uh, that those sins are forgiven. So then in spite of all these different sins, God uh, reveals his patience with sinful people, especially those who are um, a part of his family. Um, uh, for us, he repeats his promise of a savior that has come. Um, and God reveals his, his love completely uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, um, whom he fulfilled all of his promises as he's given those promises to us. So, um, so let's maybe take a moment and look at some of the evidence, uh, evidences of God's patient and love. Um, we'll look at a couple of passages. Uh, again, we'll look at uh, one from past chapter 15 and one from chapter 17. I kind of part, part way read the first part, but 15.1 um, is, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield your very great reward. And so um, so here, how does God address Abraham's uh, lack of faith? Well, I think Abraham is feeling like he's exposed, right? He's out in the middle of Canaan, 
and doesn't have a whole lot of allies. There's a lot of enemies, right? A lot of people who'd really love to start poaching off his stuff. A lot of people who would love love to see him, you know, succumb to age or illness or injury, so that way his wealth and goods would go to, you know, whoever would take whoever them would over. take advantage of it, right? Uh, and so he's like, I am left wide open here. And God comes to him, and he knows this about him. He says, Abraham, I'm your shield. If you're worried about stuff, if you're worried about where your things are going to go, if you're worried about your legacy, I am your great reward. I'm the one who's yeah. the one you need to be looking to. And uh, reminds him of that that sort of relationship of covenant promise that he has to him. Yeah. Uh, the the second word of assurance uh, that God gives is from chapter 17, and I'll read verses uh, uh, 2 through 7. And um, uh, here it's uh, when God gives him the, the covenant of circumcision. But uh, God says, I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make, make you very faith fruitful. Uh, I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for, this, uh, for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And uh, so again, God speaks a, a reaffirming word, uh, a promise to Abram. And um, in fact, many different promises. Mm -hmm. uh, he changes his name. Yep. Uh, he'll be a father of many nations, of many people. Um, it shows how wrapped up God's covenant promises in your very identity, right? He gives them basically like a completely new perspective on life by saying you're not living in the basement of your father anymore. You're on your own. He gives them a new land. You're not living in Ur. You're living in this open Canaan, land of Canaan. He gives them a new destiny that you're not just meant to, you know, develop and be uh, a wealthy person here. You're meant to be the descendant of many powerful people and wealth and prestige. And not only that, also you'll be the one that I'll choose to deliver the Messiah through. He talked about that later on. Yeah. So um, he, he basically reformats his identity and he's, he marks this sign by saying, not only are you Abram the exalted father, now you are Abraham, father of many nations. So it's not just you're exalted in your fatherhood. Now your fatherhood essentially sh sets you up as father over the future. You're, in, you're, you're the, the, uh, the patron of destiny for humanity now. Okay. And I think that's a really great identity shift, right? To go from living in your dad's basement to yeah. the patron the the lead figure who's in charge of many nations and destinies and salvations and things like that that are going to come. Yeah, we, we often refer to this part of scripture as talking about the patriarchs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he becomes the patriarch. Um, yes. uh, and we also refer to him as the father of the Jews as well as the father of Christians. Yeah, uh, and, and of the Islamic people claim him as their father as well. They call him Ibrahim. But they, they, through Ishmael, they say that they're descended from him too. Yeah. So, uh, so we've got, uh, again, this is kind of the big picture of um, Abraham's struggles and doubts. Yeah. Um, and also the big picture of God's, again, reassuring promise. Um, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to continue to trust in me. Um, uh, even when life goes on and you don't hear things from me. Um, my promises are still true. Yeah. So, so those are the big pictures. We're gonna we're gonna take a little bit deeper dive now into um, uh, Genesis chapter 15. We're gonna we'll read verses one through 18. And we read one and two already. So, uh, leaving off at the end of two, where he says, "My inheritance will go to Eliezer of Damascus." In verse three, it picks up, and Abram said, "You have given me no children, so." So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, The man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body. He will be your heir. He, will, he took him uh, outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. 
Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Very important verse there. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them into pieces, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out of out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and will be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking pot, fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that way, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, uh, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Oh, did very good with all those ites. Yeah. yeah. That's why they pay me the big bucks, <laughs> So this is this is kind of an interesting story here. Um, and so first of all, let's look at, at God's promise and Abraham's response. Um, uh, again, another great and precious promise that uh, God has given to Abraham. Um, he promised Abraham a son, uh, a son um, from his own body. Yeah. Um, and so it wouldn't be Eliezer of Damascus. It wouldn't be his servant. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also gave him the promise of, of land. Yeah. And, um, and then, as you mentioned in, in verse 6, that was a, a key passage uh, uh, that said that Abraham believed the Lord and he, the Lord, credited it to him as righteousness. Yeah. The other thing he promised, which I find is very interesting too, is he promised slavery to his descendants, right? But yeah. also deliverance. Absolutely. So he, he uh, puts in, in uh, uh, there's the obvious sort of pointing to slavery in Egypt, delivery by Moses and all that. But there's also, there's also I think, here a showing of Abraham and his family as a bit of a, a microcosm or what we call an archetype of humanity at large, right? That humanity is enslaved mm-hmm. to sin but then is delivered from sin by the coming Messiah. So you see that uh, God is establishing a covenant with Abraham that is tailor-made to be expanded to humanity. And it's not just that the, that the Jews or the Jewish people are the ones who are inheritors of this covenant from Abraham, but God is showing like your people, like the, the cultural descendants will be enslaved as a kind of, microcosm or archetype of how humanity itself is enslaved. And then I, the faithful Lord, will show you how I'm going to deliver you mightily, both for the cultural kin and for the world at large. Yeah. Um, Another interesting aspect of this passage is the way that uh, God made the covenant, or God God and Abraham uh, presented this covenant. Uh, He took some animals, cut them in half, laid them open, and this was one of the ways that uh, covenants were made in Abraham's day. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would, would take animals, they would cut them in half, they would lay them open, the blood would, would kind of flow down the middle between the two halves of the animal, and a person would say, if I don't keep my covenant, may this happen to me. Uh-huh. And, and, so, and it was interesting that, that God made the covenant. He didn't make Abraham. Uh, part of the covenant wasn't dependent upon Abraham. Uh, but it was, was a, a covenant of grace by God, uh, as if he was saying, may this, may I be torn apart um, mm. if I do not keep my covenant. 
which is another, um, um, uh, again, another picture of what would later happen to Christ as he would be, um, uh, I, I think of, of Christ on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was this, as if- Humanity and his divinity kind of tugging were, at each other. Were right? torn apart um, as Christ would be our sacrifice there on the cross. Yeah. But, um, but uh, or, or I guess you could say the Father's presence um, was pulled away from him because the Father's presence can't be in the presence of sin and all the sin of the world was placed on him on the cross. That's, yeah. that's sort of the more accurate sort of way of putting that. But certainly that separation, that, that huge chasm and rift between God and sin yeah. was most present there at the cross. Yeah. And so, a, an, again, an interesting uh, picture of how this, this covenant promise was given to Abraham by God. And, um, and so as, as we go on with, uh, uh, with the life of Abraham, we, we get into chapter 16 and we hear the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And um, uh, again, we see both the weakness of, uh, of people and uh, the promise and reassurance of God. And so um, we'll read the verse, uh, first six verses of chapter 16 and I'll, I'll go ahead and read that. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram uh, had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her uh, to her husband to be his wife. She, he slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Her servant, uh, your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, uh, so she fled from her. And uh, so here again, we see uh, the weakness and sin of everyone involved, uh, Abram, Sarai, and Hagar, uh, as they try to um, work through uh, this promise that God had given and they try and take matters into their own hands. Yeah. Um, so first of all, let's look at, at, at Sarai. Um, uh, again, her, in her sinfulness, she was impatient. Uh, she didn't know how God was going to keep his promise. And so uh, she took matters into her own hands. And, um, um, and then... Um, so I see, we keep talking about sort of microcosms and types and stuff in this series so far. And one of the things I see in Abram and Sarah is I see Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. I see the, the temptation of... Um, taking matters into one's own hands in both Eve and Sarah, right? That Eve wants to take the matter into her own hands of gaining knowledge and wisdom. And, and the devil just happens to be there to help kind of say, oh, well, go on ahead and do what you want to do, you know? you should Kind of greases the rails. Exactly, yeah. And <laughs> on I think, a downhill slope. <laughs> yeah. I think the devil's very much at work in this situation, too, as Sarah, as Sarah knows the the kind of good that can come from God's plan, right? That if there's just a, a son for this inheritance, things will be really good. So I just need to kind of, you know, do what, I, do what I need to do. And the devil kind of greases the rails and says, well, here's a nice young lady, Hagar. See, look, it'll work. Let's just do this. And this, this problem happens. But that's not to say that Adam's off the hook for sin and it was all Eve's problem, right? Adam was standing right there and let it all happen, didn't argue, didn't try and maintain righteousness or say anything. I mean, what in the world is Abraham doing here that Sarah brings a, a handmaiden to him and says, here, you can have her to sleep with and have a child with. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he failed too, right? He's, he needs to be the one who puts his foot down and says, no, this is not what God's will is, right? And so very, very much in both situations, uh, a failing on behalf of the, the wife in, in this scenario to um, try and take matters into their own hands and a failure by the husband to not take uh, responsibility for 
the, the situation that he sees unfolding before his own eyes. Yeah, I, I like the fact that you brought up the word responsibility because uh, both Sarai and Abram uh, were responsible for their actions, yeah. uh, for their lack of faith. Um, and, and it does um, give us another reflection of exactly what happened with, with Adam and Eve is, um, uh, are there other parallels um, between Adam and Eve and, and Abram and Sarai? Well, definitely. Um, are you thinking of one in particular? Or? Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, of the fact that, uh, again, um, the temptation of Satan where he mm -hmm. said, you will be like God. Oh. Uh, and it was for that reason that um, Eve took, in a sense, matters in her own hand as she took the fruit. Sure. Um, and so, uh, again, uh, at the basis of all of our sin, we try and be the masters of our own destiny. Yeah. Um, we try to be, be like God. Um, we try to determine what's good and evil mm -hmm. um, and what's right and wrong. And we, don't, we fail to listen to God and things turn out. <laughs> Once we got, get on that slippery slope of sin, things go downhill quickly. Yeah, definitely. Another thing, I guess, when I'm thinking of, of kind of connections between Adam and Eve and Abram and Sarah is the the sort of progenitor thing, right? That all, all humanity came from Adam. All humanity is redeemed, not through, not directly through Abraham, but through Abraham's descendants, right? And so uh, there's a sense of first manness, right? In both of them and, and first, and first womanness too, in both Eve and Sarah. So, yeah, let's bring this maybe into today's um, uh, life and activity. Uh, again, uh, there's a parallel between Adam and Eve, Abram, Sarah, and people today. Yeah. And so we do the exact same things as, as far as um, we have trouble waiting on God. Uh, we try to take matters into our own hands. Uh, we try to determine what's right and wrong. We want to be like God uh, and make dis the decisions in our life that we think are best for us. Yeah. And um, they not only bring sin into our life, but oftentimes it, uh, it harms relationships, um, uh, whether it be between husband and wife, parents and children, uh, between friends or coworkers. Um, those harmful activities um, 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 bring division and hardship and, and pain into the lives of people. Yep. And, uh, and it, it, it begins when we doubt or fail to trust in God and his promises. Mm -hmm. So we want to read through the, uh, the rest of that, that chapter, verses uh, 7 through 15. Yeah, I'll pick up at 7 and keep reading. All right. Um, the angel, this is about God's faithfulness even to Hagar. So the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that, uh, that is beside the road of Sh to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress Sarai, she said. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave uh, this name to the Lord. Um, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Um, that means um, living one who sees me, by the way, in case you aren't too keen on your Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> it is still there uh, between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son that she had born. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So we find Hagar running away um, because Sarai had mistreated her, and yet the Lord steps in and intervenes um, uh, in, a, in a gracious way. And uh, I, I find it interesting what God asks Hagar to do. Yeah, uh, go back and submit. To uh, yeah, go back to where you came from. Yeah. 
um, and then submit to uh, your mistress, your uh, the, your the one who has uh, is your master. Yeah. Um, and um, oftentimes God encourages us to do the same, to go back where we came from and submit to his authority or those who are in authority over us and, um, and live the, uh, the calling, uh, the vocation that he's called us to live in that situation. Hmm. And, um, and uh, then he also, he also gives her a promise as well. Yeah. Um, that her son Ishmael, uh, um, and, and that name means God hears. God hears. And, um, uh, um, but, um, but uh, that he would be the, a descendant uh, of many people as well. Uh, but it, he also says, okay, but there will be uh, contention uh, between him and his descendants uh, who come after him. And we see that again between Israel and, and the descendants of Ishmael. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so that's what, uh, uh, that's what Hagar does. And um, that leads, leads us to chapter 17, where God gives uh, another covenant promise. And this is the, the covenant of circumcision that he gives to Abram. And so I'm going to read uh, the first 14 verses, 1 through 14. It says, then uh, when, Abram was 90, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make uh, you very fruitful. I will make nations out of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abram, Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, uh, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money uh, from a foreigner, those who are not your, those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or, or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh um, is to be an everlasting covenant, and any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. Uh, he, he has broken my covenant. And um, so here we have the uh, a covenant of promise with with Abram and um, uh, for all generations uh, to come. And uh, we see that Jewish people have kept this covenant um, uh, very specifically, and it's a, um, a significant part of who they are. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we're going to go ahead and read the, the rest of this passage and we'll yeah. see what Abraham's response is. Sure, we'll pick up again at 15. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a woman a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And of course, Isaac means he laughs. So God is making a commentary on what he responded to here. Um I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. 
And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, or bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on the same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in the household or bought from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Okay, so we have God's covenant with Abram, and then how did Abraham... How did Abraham respond? Uh, in kind. He did the right thing. Yeah. He, he took it seriously. and, um, or, or sorry, when he first made his covenant with him, he didn't believe, right? He laughed. Yeah. But then God doubled down and said, not only will I fulfill it, here's exactly how I'll do it. And here's exactly what the kid's name will be. And, here, and you know, I'm going to have you call your wife by a new name after however many years of marriage. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, and essentially saying, like, this is the beginning of her new identity as well as your new identity, and um, so do this, Yeah. and I'll be faithful to you. Yeah, and I, I like what it says in verse 23. It says, On that very day, Abram took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, and he had them circumcised. Yeah. And so it kind of reminds me when God first called Abraham uh, to come to a new land, it says, he left. <laughs> he listened to God's promise. He did what he said. He had um, that faith in him. Yep. And, um, and so um, how reassuring that is as we see this father of the faith uh, follow God immediately in what God asks them or tells them to do. And, uh, kind of reminiscent of the disciples when Jesus says, "Come follow me," right? They didn't. Yeah, they throw, dropped their nets. Yeah, yeah. They dropped their it. nets and fought, and or left their money changing tables, or yeah. you know, whatever else, and just got up and went. Like yeah. there was no hesitation. There was no okay, but I need to get this in order. Matter of fact, there's like a couple of times where Jesus calls on people and they kind of waffle or say, "Well, I need to go address this thing, and then I'll come follow." You. And Jesus says, "I don't have time for that. Like yeah. I've called you to come. You c drop everything and you come." Yeah. God is saying that to Abraham, drop everything else. It's not as important as my faithful covenant to you. Yeah. Do do these things now. And he does, yeah. to his credit. How, how about, let's bring it in again to today. Uh, how do God's people respond to God's promises today? Uh, not as well, probably, would be the better <laughs> answer. Uh, we, we um, especially in, in the American and Western church, I think, there are elements of our culture that say that uh, lying in wait patiently for for things to happen is foolishness. When in reality, yeah, and like in certain things that is true, right? You can't sit around and wait for your meal to show up on the table, right? You need to take certain matters in your own hand. But when it comes to God's like provision of the things he promises, then wait, waiting patiently for him to fulfill his promise is wisdom. Yeah, And so I think we often struggle with that in our context of people kind of saying, you know, that, that phrase I've already stated, that God helps those who help themselves. We, we think that by, by taking matters into our own hands, by addressing things that we see as challenges in, in place of what God does, we do it ourselves, that causes more problems for us than, than good things to happen. And uh, I was going to say at the same time, I think there, there, there are some people... Um, and I, maybe we could, uh, it happens in different ways at different times. Sometimes we, we respond faithfully immediately. Sometimes we put it off. Sometimes we put it off like for a long time. Yes, true. Um, but one example of where, where people may have more an immediate response um, is when uh, it's time for church. We open the doors, people come in. Uh, they want to hear God's word. Um, uh, another example might be when... Uh, we offer the Lord's Supper. Um, people are, are uh, ready to come forward immediately uh, to receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Mm -hmm. uh, another example might be when parents have a child 
Um, sometimes they, they want that child baptized as soon as they can have that child baptized. Yeah. I, I wish there were a few more families like that sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. I, I guess I don't give people enough credit sometimes, too. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of people who are quite faithful when they see God's provision and His promise, um, and they just leap at every opportunity. I mean, we have people that hear God's Word and immediately go to work. We just had an entire series on this idea of vocation, and what else is vocation if not hearing God's calling and getting to work, right? And people are doing that day in and day out in their own you know, in their own ways, with their own shortcomings and failings, but also with their own trust in God and faithfulness. And so I should give more credit than I, than I have in my kind of short answer that I gave a while ago. I think it's both and. We, yeah. we have shortcomings. We don't do all we can. But through the power of God and through his, his equipping, a la third article of the creed, right, um, that we are um, called, gathered, and enlightened to kind of do the things he has for us to do, we, we do what we can. Yeah. And that's the church at work on earth. It's Christ's people living out their faith. And that's, uh, uh, that's fun to see. Uh, I think uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our, uh, as a part of our stewardship um, series that we're going through now here at King of Kings, we're going to have people come forward and bring their commitment cards. Um, and that's one of the uh, uh, great joys that I have uh, when I see people come forward with the commitments that they make. Um, uh, we recognize that uh, that some do that out of their abundance, some do that out of their um, out of the little that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, a joy for me to see the faithfulness of God's people to say, you know, I want to renew my commitment with God and and uh, as far as my giving goes and and um, uh, share these gifts with uh, His church, with the work that is done through His church, mm-hmm. um, uh, to the glory of God. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, a great joy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to keep going with uh, with the next chapter, uh, chapter 18 of Genesis. Uh, this is where uh, Abraham has some visitors, and um, I will read verses 1 through 15. Uh, it says that the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed down low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then you you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of fine flour and knead it and and, uh, bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare, prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood nearby near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out, and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time uh, next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, and so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but he said, Yes, you did laugh. <laughs> um, God, God is just being truthful there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, again, we have the promise of God, and, and, we'll, look at, um, uh, and we'll look at Abraham's response. But uh, first of all, uh, we, we notice uh, um, uh, a part of Abraham's culture, we see the hospitality that, uh, that Abraham provided for these visitors. Yeah. And that was just a part of what they did. The, 
this is a, a section that I would love to see uh, dramatized in some in some like modern fashion. This scene of like, were the men just walking along the road and Abram saw them, or did they just appear out of nowhere and they were staring at him? And did Abraham know these men were? He seemed to know there was some something special about did them. He, was he just being hospitable and then through his like hospitality realized there's something special about these guys? He has a sense of urgency, right? That's why he leads yeah. off with his wife. Quick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get the sea as a flower and start making yeah. bread. He realizes that there's something about these guys. And we also we also have sort of this indication through the narrator of this text that um, that word Lord there that's used is an indicator that there's something more than just uh, an angel going on here. It's not just a yeah. messenger. We see it in all capital letters, which would be cap- God's, which is the, the God's, name. God's name of Yahweh, right? Um, so this is one of the sort of challenges here is, uh, is who, how is God walking around in the form of a servant, right? Is how is he embodied? He hasn't been embodied in this way and since basically since the Garden of Eden that I can think of, how in the world is this happening? And so there's there's some very interesting dynamics and things going on here. But I think what it does do is shows this as a very significant moment in not just Abraham's story, but in the story of humanity. Right? That that for some reason God isn't just speaking through a dream or a voice or you know a presence to Abraham. He has come down to eat with him like bodily, in a, in a fleshly form, yeah. uh, to talk with him face to face in some kind, kind of reminds of us of Jesus after his resurrection and he sets down with his disciples by yeah. the lake and they, oh, very much they so. have a meal together. It's funny how the Bible always is doing yeah. these little crossover things. That yeah. I think it's kind of on purpose, right? Um, and, and so there's something about this scene and the way that it's set up here that is really intriguing to me. And I, I'd love to, like I, said, like I said, that's why I'd love to see it depicted in some way. Um, yeah. And, and again, we see the, the doubts of Sarah as she hears God wants to reassure them, to give them a promise, and yet she, she laughs. How can this be? This mm-hmm. is just kind of a ridiculous thing that, that this guy's saying. Um, and uh, she laughs in her doubt, and God confronts her. Um, she said, I didn't laugh. Then she lied, and, and then he said, yes, you did laugh. Yeah. Um, um, and, uh, but God wants to, again, reassure Abraham and Sarah of the promise that he made, um, even though they were now, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that wasn't the only reason that, that God appeared to Abraham, is it? We're gonna, uh, as we move on from here, um, he's going to talk about uh, a concern that he has in the world. Yeah. Uh, so the next section, uh, are we reading 16? 16, 16 through the end of the chapter. All right, the end of the chapter. Yeah. All right uh, this We're is through. The, uh, this is the narrative. I, I might touch on some points because some of it's a little repetitive once Abraham starts pleading. But um, verse 16, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what, it, what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised. And this is the interesting thing. If you don't read verse 18, you don't realize that he's talking with a man standing next to him who Mm -hmm. is the Lord. Uh, And so it's really interesting that it's not just the voice that Abraham usually hears. It's a guy right there. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and and went toward uh, Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous and the wicked if there are 50 righteous people in the city? And so from here, essentially, he says, will you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah of over 50 righteous people in the city? And he says, if I find 50, I won't destroy it. Then Abraham kind of is haggling a little bit bit here with people's lives. And he he goes 45, then he goes down to 40, then to 30, uh, then he goes to 20. 
And then he says, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? Uh, he answered for the, then God answered for the sake of 10 people, I will not destroy the city. Then the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham. He left and Abraham returned home. So that's the end of that section. Uh, and it's, it's, in essence, we see here that God is, that Abraham is trying to seek mercy for righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and there are not even 10 people who can be found in the city who are righteous. I always thought to myself, if he would have gone down to one, um, um, uh, but again, we're, we're going to find out that Lot and his family uh, are going to be rescued. So there were well, Lot and his wife and his two, two daughters. So at least four people were, uh, were rescued. But we see that there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something happens to Lot's wife. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. but, but God in his grace and mercy uh, would, would save them out of the city before he destroys it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what is um, so what does this uh, tell us again about um, about us as people of God um, and uh, about Abraham's relationship with God and God's relationship with Abraham? I think it shows that Christians uh, and God's people in general are to be concerned with the goings on of the world as our world becomes more and more reminiscent of Sodom and Gomorrah. Should Christians just cloister themselves up and let the world go to hell in a handbasket? Yeah. And Abraham is a great example for us to say no. It's uh, while we should keep our our distance from the way the world operates and the the kind of influences that the culture might have upon us, it is still our responsibility to pray for and plead for and seek to influence this culture for the good, so that God's wrath isn't met out against the sinfulness to, to be found there. Um, I don't think that God would be sending down hail, you know, brim, uh, fire and brimstone on many, many cities because of their debauchery yet today. But certainly his wrath on the last day will be every bit as intense, if not more so, against wickedness in this world. And so it's our place to remind them that sin is real, but also that there's a Savior who gives them uh, hope from yeah. that sin. I, I love the fact that Abraham is, is kind of bartering with God, and at the same time, God is listening to Abraham. Yeah. So he's considering what he's saying. Um, he's, he's, in a sense, working with Abraham, and, uh, uh, and, and it, it kind of gives us the, the, the thought that God's mind can be changed by the influence of his people. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we forget the, the power of the prayers that we have, um, that we have a God who listens to us and sometimes we'll say, okay, yeah. um, uh, I'm going to listen to you. And uh, as you remind me of the mercy that I have, uh, he works through our prayers, our requests. Um, and, and sometimes he asks us to, um, uh, to step in as well as, as we become his presence in the life of this world. Yeah. So... That, that kind of brings us to the end of our time for today. Um, so we're going to pick up. we kind of in the middle of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to finish it next time. Again, we will continue next week with the rest of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and find that there is both judgment and mercy from God yeah. uh, as he continues to do his work. Right. Having said that, uh, let's close in a prayer. Let's do Heavenly Father, we thank you for your work in our lives. We ask uh, for your forgiveness where we have times of doubt. Uh, we ask for your patience as we struggle with uh, remembering or following through on um, uh, the requests that you've given to us. And we ask that you continue to speak your words of promise into our life, uh, your words of assurance and grace and mercy. Uh, we thank you that you have given us your son that makes those promises all the more sure. Uh, we thank you for your spirit um, who has become the deposit that has guaranteed us of those promises to come, uh, who now lives in us. And so we ask that you be with us this day. Guide us in all that we say and do. Remind us that we are your presence in this world as we speak your truth and your love uh, in all that we say and do. And again, uh, help us to see where you are working so we can join you in that work. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thanks for being with us today. Have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.